What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the European Tour Picks and Bets. Skylar Hoke here with Tom Jacobs. Tom, how are you doing? I'm good, Sky. Good. Uh, I'm slightly, I feel a lot of pain for you. I don't know what, I can't remember what the word is. It when, when you're inhibiting someone else's pain rather than your own. Uh, so when you have first, second, and second carrying into the final day, and you lose to Richard Bland, who we <laughs> we just say every week that he can't win, which is really horrible. And I hope Richard Bland doesn't watch the, watch the show because I feel really guilty. But I, I think I've probably got as far to say that like Bland by name, Bland by nature type thing. But he he won, and it was a fairy tale win for him. And I think, like he said in the sweep back to Guido, that Guido will go and win multiple times uh, again in the future. So it doesn't really affect him, but. I mean, how does that happen? How, how does Richard Bland on his, what is it, 478th start without a win just rip rip Guido's heart out? And I mean, the bomb on 18 was enough. And then he goes and does it in the playoff as well. Man, it's uh, it's tough to enjoy sometimes the golf stories when you live and die by your handicapping of the events. You know, like I still think back in the 2019 Masters, you know, Tiger wins that thing. And I sit here and be like, man, I had big tickets on Brooks. I had a big ticket on Xander. And here everyone's crying their eyes out on 18 when Tiger wins. And it's like, oh, I felt that same way. I'm crying because Brooks didn't win. <laughs> yes. Uh, and on Saturday, you know, it, it's maybe if it was Eddie or if it was Dodo Molinari, maybe it's one thing I can live a bit. But I feel a whole rising tide around Guido Migliazzi that you see the gifts that are coming. You can feel the anticipation, just cloud nine that you're sitting on. And all he has to do is not hit a 50 foot putt, you know, 30 feet past like he would have on 17 had he not clipped the pin. And then he does it again on the, you know, the first playoff hole it's the Guido of old. It's, you know, the Guido I fell in love with originally um, and going to have to live and die with. But the one thing I can hang my hat on is, you know, they do have the three event race to Dubai point accumulation over the next one. So last week, then in Denmark, and then one more event after that um, for the top 10 spots going to Tory Pines. Right now, Guido obviously sits solo second in that. And with only three events to accumulate points, it's not that easy to get as many as he did without stringing together multiple great finishes. There's even a big difference from second to third in those points. So Guido has a comfortable cushion. So that's one thing. The other thing is our boy might be getting a gold medal. He passed Peritor. <laughs> and now if the Olympics were today, Guido Migliazzi would be teeing it up. So I'm going to have to, you know, set it aside for just a few more weeks. Let Guido come in with, you know, maybe an eighth place or maybe a fifth place. Get us in each way next time out, Guido. Lock up Tori and then a thousand to one. We will bet the house on that and we'll all be buying an island uh, pretty soon for Guido at Tory Pines. I uh, I had to cancel my Amazon order because so Saturday night I just felt like I had to get an Italian outfit for for, for today. Even though we've got him at major championship, not even going to be playing in. Uh, I had, you know, the, the, the popped up collar, the sunglasses, the headband. I was ready to pump and, it, you know, it, it didn't happen. And and, uh, and I don't have anything for Richard Bland. I could have, I don't, I can't grow a beard as well as he does. Uh, so I had nothing. So for here sure. we are talking about actually a more important thing, which is the PGA Championship this week. Yes, absolutely. And, and that is, you know, what we're all here for. But, you know, we live and die for the events, the Magical Kenya Opens of the year, those type of ones that that's why you're coming to us. But those same golfers are teeing it up, you know, at the majors 
week in or, or, you know, four times a year, you know, this one, we have obviously the U S open coming up and there are golfers that obviously, if you look at what the Kiowa 2012 PGA championship leaderboard was, it was chalk full of these guys. So we're going to run through, you know, basically a back end of our card in our favorite DraftKings play. I'm not here to tell you that Justin Johnson slipping into 20 to one. Is that crazy? You can listen to Lost for Words. Me and Tom, myself, were just on that podcast talking about it um, in regards to, you know, our, our outright bets on the entire week. Ben Coley was on there with us, which was an outstanding uh, opportunity to be a part of that on your show, Tom. Uh, we're not here to talk about Victor Hovland getting squeezed down to 25 to one in sky myself still pushing the chips in and being able to say that he's going to be victorious at Kiowa. You can hear that with Axis and myself on our alternate shot podcast. We are here to bring you the nuts and bolts on our European tour guys. So please feel free. We need you to subscribe to the Mayo media network, YouTube channel here, tune into us week in and week out as we go through the odds for that. And we'll just start it off. Tom, we'll go a little bit deeper down the board, which guys are standing out to you who are our European tour faithfuls. So this was a thing for me that last week we ended the show by saying, look forward to this show because it was a really strong European contingent uh, in 2012. And then you look at the, the betting and the first guy that you can really consider a European tour guy, Tyrrell Hatton, 50 to 1. Um, you know, I discounted him for majors for an awful long time because he just was missing cuts. He was missing cuts at the players. He wasn't playing great in WGCs very consistently. He just, he was playing great on the PGA Tour. He was winning events and then he just got to these. And, and I don't know if it was an additional pressure he was putting on himself. Then he finished his 18th for the Masters and you kind of think, you know, is that a, a turn in the tide, if you like? But then you just look, it was kind of the final round he climbed up the leaderboard and I'm still not convinced. And I actually go way deeper than that for my for my main pick. And, and it's a guy that I've kind of said that could go in sort of zero hat on the same path, and that's Matt Wallace. Um, you know, I, I just think that he makes an awful lot of sense uh, in this event. I think that he's played excellent golf over the last well, six, seven events. Um, you know, he was okay at the Masters, which is, I don't think it's a, it's a course that particularly suits him. So I, I think that okay is good enough. I think that's still signs of form for him. But just that Wells Fargo uh, performance for me just really stuck out. I mean, he was, was it tied, thick there? Um, and we just spoke about it in the podcast. I don't want to repeat ourselves too much, but the Wells Fargo Quell Hollow was kind of a big force pump for us. Um, and, and he's done it, you know, even in small sample size of majors, the third in this event in 2019, 12th in the US Open. Um, he, he's doing it on the PGA Tour regularly now. He drives the ball incredibly well. Um, short game is good. And he has that kind of, a lot of people are bullish about Matt Wallace because he's bullish about his own chances. He's very, I think it's bordering on arrogant as opposed to confidence, but I think you have to be like that when you're, when you're destined for the top. Do I think that he can win the PGA Championship? Yeah, I think he can. I think that the the worst players have won the PGA Championship than him. I think that um, I think he's a quality golfer. I think it's going to be a tough ask, but I think that there's plenty in his price. That he was a hundred to one. I think he's now nineties and eighties. Uh, I think there's definitely some each way value in him there. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned. Beth Page, of course, being you know, if we're going to see that test of golf to 
you know, a degree of maybe bombs away if it really gets out there. The rough is definitely, I think, thicker or at least uh, fairways are harder to hit at Bethpage and what it's going yeah. to be here. But, you know, at, at, in Texas just recently, just ripped it up tee to green, continue to it. And he's basically the line that you would draw from uh, on a DraftKings perspective, or even the odds of where he is the deepest price European player who plays consistently on the PGA Tour. You know, right about that's kind of the line. Because if you you draw it on DraftKings, okay, you know, Wallace is $7,400, Lee Westwood $7,400, and also the most trending European tour golfer coming over to play this week, Garrick Higo, is $7,400 as well. And when you get below that, we are starting to get into the golfers that haven't consistently faced these type of field strengths. Um, to your point, I think that's a very valuable thing that often gets overlooked. I am very guilty of it because I do believe some of these golfers will be able to compete. Um, I think, you know, a handful of them, you know, are going to finish inside that top 20, um, you know, maybe a handful is asking a lot, but I, I think what we have now been able to, you know, kind of read through the tea leaves for some of these golfers is game setup. And I, I do think Garrett Higgo presents an opportunity on DraftKings at $7,400, um, you know, he's now starting to see that drift of what his number probably should be, you know, into the 150s, 170s and beyond. But he's priced up enough on DraftKings Sportsbook that people aren't going to want to pay that when you could pay for Matt Wallace, when you could pay for Siwoo Kim, you know, those type of golfers that are around him. I mean, Higo does what you'd want him to do at the course. He's really long. You know, he has got a tremendous short game, a really, really good putter. Is he accurate enough that he is not going to put himself out of contention by putting it into the fescue? I do have some concerns about that because accuracy, even in the Canary Islands, wasn't his specialty. But I think he presents a nice pivot opportunity that seems to be almost a forgotten man after just two weeks ago. You know, he ripped off a second victory in a three event stretch. And that's a, it's, it's hard, isn't it? Because we talk about field strength and, and we like to talk about the European tour. So we're kind of blinkered on whether it's a strong event or not. We love the event regardless of what it is. But if Matt Wallace was playing those events that Garrett Higo was playing in the form that he showed in the PGA Tour, is Matt Wallace picking up a couple of wins as well? You, it's, it's really hard to quantify because pressure is pressure and contention is contention regardless once you get there. My worry for Higo is he's just not tested. He's just not tested at this level. He's in a price where... There's plenty of other alternatives. You're going to go on to one of his compatriots in a moment. And we know everything we need to know about him. I can see Garrett Higo going and shooting five, six under on day one. Everyone going, well, this has kind of been coming because he's been playing the way he's been playing. He, he gets a great load of GK points and uh, and he makes the cut. And and I could just see him faltering to 37th, 24, you know, anything like that. I just think that he, I think he'll make birdies in bunches. But I think that when, because you, you kind of have to score on the, on the front nine, don't you? And I think that he could do that. And then when he gets to those later holes and he can get himself in a bit of trouble. And if those crosswinds come about, I don't know what he's going to do. Yeah. Yeah. And it's again, a lot of unknown for him and for some of these other golfers that we are going to mention the, the known ones. I think there's a, a duo here. I'll start before even getting into um, if we're going down on a DraftKings perspective, $7,000 for Robert McIntyre available now back at the 175s that a lot of us had bet on in the futures market in advance. Robert McIntyre loves a test through about 60, what, three holes on Sunday. He loved or Saturday. He loved that test as well. Hits a pin and, you know, the, the rest of the round goes tail spinning. 
um, to, you know, kind of put away what was a, a tidy week that he had. He now, you know, he goes off as a regular favorite or sub 20 to one on the European tour. Um, and, and that has been consistent of a sense where for the first time we really saw Garrett Higo uh, pop at that, you know, 10 to one, um, you know, Bob is in a different element. I think he of course has a sixth place finish in the open championship, a 12th place finish at the masters. He drives it well. He's long. He's better than the field average. He's got a decent short game and the putter is getting better and better. The putter is what saved him at Augusta and got him to go back for a guaranteed chance in the 2022 masters. Um, not that he's going to meet it. He's going to stay in that top 50 and continue to trend. Um, but I really like Bob McIntyre's opportunity for place um, at this, you know, I know overseas you can get up to 11 places somewhere, you know, we get about seven here at the best in the States. Um, so I think, you know, Bob at a fifth of the odds for that, outs, uh, for that, um, you know, each way presents some opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think, you know, I kind of talk about what we mentioned on the podcast about how he's kind of talked up in in the in the British press of how his next big thing he's just, you know solidified his major championship status and 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 it's not that right you know he's got a long way to go um, you know you think of successful Scottish golfers you think Colin Montgomery Paul Laurie Paul Laurie won an Open Championship he he's still he's not that he's he's a very talented golfer and and hopefully what you would say is he's got the great skill set for this and you know that open championship form is actually probably more relevant than than maybe people are giving credit for this week you know there's a lot of similarities in people that play well in opens that played well here in 2012 yeah. and, and i think that's really important and look like you said how can you expect to hit the pin i mean everyone wants to be that accurate but it never ends well, you know, never, it never tends to just stop. It just cannons off. He was lucky it even stayed up where it stayed up because it could For be, sure. you know, calamity and, you know, and that does derail you and, and you could see it on his face. And I think he just, by the time that happened, he wanted to get out of there. Um, but it's also enough of a warm up for this week. Um, I think that the only thing I would say about Robert McIntyre, I don't know who he does practice with, but he doesn't strike me as someone, you know, you, could, you see the young South Africans, Garrett Higo will go to Ustase and he'll go to Brandon Grace, go to Charles Schwartz or he'll, whoever else is there, early else if he's there. Who did Robert McIntyre do that with at the moment? I, I don't know. And uh, is it, I don't know if that's important, but to me in my head, especially, I think it's more important around Augusta and places like he learned from like a Sandy Lyle, he would have done yeah. in the past. Yeah. Um, is that important around a PJ Championship where a course where not many people have played? I don't know. But if you had a guy that he'd lean on that played there in 2012, I think that would be really helpful. Yeah, that, that's a that's a valid point. Uh, old Sandy Lyle uh, won't be around this time for it. But um, yeah, I think to the point, yeah, I, we just know the talent. He has done it more than some of the other ones have had here. And I think this next golfer that I'm going to mention, um, it's a bit cheating, to be honest, when I look at this, because... I told you I wouldn't mention Victor Hovland off the top. You know, he at least played on the European tour since the restart of golf. <laughs> this guy hasn't. However, maybe we get an excuse because he has much more of a background playing on here. But what Charles Schwartzel is doing right now, it, it should not be remiss, man. His ball striking is, you know, flipping the script years back to what he has, you know, a former major winner, you know, to now rip off, you know, three straight amazing weeks four if you include the Zurich of approach game, you know, his, his off the tee is exceptional. His, his last two times that he put up numbers like he did Texas 
He's done it twice in the last three years, was a third place at 3M and a runner-up at the Players' Championship. If that off-the-tee game continues to trend, I think he can really make a run at things. And I, I mean, again, you put him in contention. He was in contention on the back nine. He wasn't able to capitalize with birdies, but he made three or four, eight to 10 footers that really, I mean, the up and down at 17 wasn't easy, you know, up and down at 18 was even harder out of a, you know, buried lie. Um, you know, I think that Charles can really step up here if the conditions get tough. I think that you can't take anything away from KH Lee. He played it brilliantly yesterday and that, that sort of shot on 17 solidified that, but he won it early on in the day. You know, he made those birdies on the front nine, front six or whatever it was, front eight holes. Um, I think it was three under through the first six, and, and that was that was more than he was under par for the rest of the round. And and the other guys are trying to play catch up in monsoon weather, and I and I don't mind it when Charles Schwartzel loses because KH Lee played well. If KH Lee had struggled and Schwartzel struggled as well, I mean Schwartzel seemed to not make the birdies when everyone else was kind of stepping up on the front nine. But and I was back. I backed him last week at sixty six to one. He's now one hundred and twenty five hundreds, and and for me. When a player of his talent level is in the form that he's in, you have to stand up and pay attention. We know that the the potential and the upside of Charles Schwartzel is a major winner. You know, it, it happened once and it took Rory McIlroy to come backwards down the, down the stretch of Augusta, but he won it. You know, you can't take it away from him. Um, and Merrion in, in 2013, he was right there. I haven't been able to, uh, to confirm my theory that I'm pretty sure he was putting his hand in his pocket before every putt on the on the final round, but I need to find it, otherwise I'm making it up. And his putter at the moment uh, looks like something that Elon Musk would shoot into <laughs> uh, his SpaceX thing, but, you know, or it might power your internet. I don't know what it does, but it, it, it certainly looks ugly, but it's getting results and his ball striking is absolutely superb. I mean, they were just talking about it all day on the commentary and, and rightly so. He's, he's an excellent ball striker. Um, and he likes the test. He plays well in open championships. He's played well in tough US Opens when he's not putting his hands in his pocket. He's great. Um, so yeah, Charles Schwartz will absolutely love it. Absolutely. And that's right now where I stand from an outright perspective on Charles, on McIntyre. Now, when we get into these ones, we start looking at the top 20 market. Again, the DraftKings plays for which we look at. For your instance, it was Matt Wallace. When we look down here a little bit deeper, who are some of the golfers that you think need things to go their way, but, you know, have an opportunity to make some noise? So I think a guy that's just right there at 6,800 on DraftKings you look at the if you buy into the narrative that you have to be a bomber which i don't think you necessarily do have to but it's obviously a, a wonderful thing to have in the bag thomas peters um you know you've spoken about him at length um on this show and, and we were waiting for him to come back from injury seven out of eight cuts you know recently he's just missed that one at the byron nelson we shot 70 69 was five under par you know that's five under par um you know it's not too bad I mean, they made eight birdies three bogeys what can you do? Uh, he was 13th for the Corrales, 13th for Qatar, um, you know, 15th for Puerto Rico, 10th for Saudi. They're results you'd expect him to get. I'm not saying they're they're above his talent level, I'm not saying he's performing excellently, but it's enough to say that he's performing how we need him to. Um, and we've seen him go deep at major championships before in the past. You know, he's got that great elite off the game when he's in form and uh the worry with him is he does lose his head, as we've said before, um, and that and that's something that you probably don't need at this kind of course because if there's any sort of wind or anything like that, he's going to look to blame that as opposed to actually just blaming himself. Um, but 
from an upside point of view, I think you can get something out of Thomas Peters at 6,800 that you can't get out of many people down this price range. Yeah, and I would say too with Peters, you know, plus 700 for a top 20 for him. That seems to be the right market compared to an outright. I mean, what he did, winged foot, 36 holes, you know, right there, wake up Saturday morning, Peters birdies the first. It's like, okay, is he going to do it? Is he going to break through? I mean, we've seen him fourth at Riv you know, you know, fourth at the masters on debut, he is big time for the moment. And I think he, at Byron Nelson, he was exceptional ball striking. He still gained over three strokes ball striking in just two rounds. Um, but where he really let himself down was, you know, wasn't even chipping. It ultimately came down to the fact that he lost three and a half strokes on the green in those two rounds. Um, so, Pack Sehamon early on the number, you know, like a couple other Europeans that teed it up there. Catlin and Rosner went home on the number and some of their underlying stats weren't as bad as what you would think it would be. Um, but yeah, I think Peters is definitely the standout um, from one. I would like to hear your thoughts. We did not mention him on Lost for Words as, you know, we couldn't go through all 156 golfers um, as we do, but we did. We definitely did. <laughs> but um, in my opinion, um, the, the best correlation course that we have is whistling straights. Yeah. We have a winner of whistling straights here at 7,000 flat. I would have just loved if Martin Keimer would have showed something at the British masters because he was putrid. He was awful, but in Austria, he was great. Couldn't put it, but was exceptional. But what Pat always brings up is these, these shaved edges around the green and you think about the Texas wedge and he's like, you know, who did that, you know, to a T at Pinehurst who did it here. It's Martin Keimer. Does he have anything left in the tank? If I'm not wrong, I felt like he's shown up on leaderboards just like early in rounds at a couple of the last majors never hung through with it, but I think he could be a sneaky one at seven K flat. I think he's going to be a guy that people are scared to play because they believe he can't win anymore. And, yeah. and people, for some reason, even at $7,000, they want himself winning upside or don't put him in. Um, he doesn't need to win for you at $7,000. So, I mean, I'm in terms of strategy, I'm probably not the big guy to talk to in terms of prices, but just from an upside point of view, can I see Martin Kummer winning the PGA Championship? I find it tough just because of what he's done in recent years in lesser events, but I, I certainly think he can contend, and I certainly don't think that the best of his golf is over. I think that he's got more to offer. I don't think he's going to get to world number one anymore. I think there's too many people that are betting him. I don't know that he even just took advantage of a good run of form. But yeah, I think I think there's plenty there. I think that if anyone's going to, if anyone's got the mindset to deal with tough conditions, uh, it's Martin Keimer. I think if the golf course is tough, he doesn't mind. It's when he's fighting with himself. If his game is in good shape and the course is hard, he'll live up to that task. Yeah, and, and to me, it's hard to overlook what he just did last week, but I think that's a lot of things you, you can't read into, into two rounds of golf. Of course, you look at the body of work on what he has continued to done where he leads, you know, approach almost on the European tour, um, you know, and, and that's, you know, that plus a Texas wedge, I think puts you into some good light here. Um, I would go decks. If we continue to go down $6,900, a golfer we haven't seen since the masters. Um, we mentioned him almost anytime he tees it up on the European tour at, at, you know, a fraction of the odds normally of what we see this week. Um, but tell us what you think about Victor Perez. Well, I can tell you who his caddy is and his caddy, J.P. Fitzgerald. And, uh, yeah, he caddy for Rory McIlroy when he's winning all his majors and, uh, he's got that experience in the back, hasn't he? 
Yes. Um, no, he's more than that. It's definitely more than that. You know, we've seen him play well at the Masters, we've seen him play well at WGCs, uh, the Players' Championship, um, and, he, and he kind of just has that one missed cut in recent times, which I think has led people to forget about him. Um, and it wasn't horrendous. You know, he, he made his first cut of the Masters, didn't his second time. You know, it happens. Um, I think his game could be great for this. You know, he's, he's played well in windy conditions. He's won in, in, in that sort of conditions as well. Um, he's got the right man in the bag, I think. Um, he's based in Scotland, which is baffling to me as a Frenchman, um, but he's done it. Um, ben sort of brought up uh, the Golf National as a correlated course on on the Lost Words podcast, and, and maybe that does help. You know, he's, he's one victory, and, and that's maybe my hang-up, is that when I think of its present and how well he's been playing, I think he's still only won once, and, and it isn't that making him of his best form. Yes, he lost in a you know in a playoff to um, Cyril Hatton in Turkey, and he's won twice on the Challenge Tour. So he's got experience here. He's beaten Bob McIntyre directly uh, in a playoff at the Ferocious Open and Challenge Tour. So he's got it there. Um, his limited starts in WGCs: fourth in the WGC Champions, fourth in the Match Play, twenty-second uh, in this event last year. So there's plenty to like about him. The one win he's got is in the Dunhill link. So that, that to me, suggests that he fits the kind of narrative of that European tour, British linked feel. I don't know if there's any more than that other than the fact that he's played well. The Pete Dye in the Players' Championship. That's, class. yes. It, well, Pete Dye at Austin Country Club, too. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So two times we see him on Pete Dye, you know, arguably his two best finishes that we've seen out of him on the PGA Tour side. Um, again, it's hard to think in context as a lot of what we do is can this golfer win the tournament, but yeah. you know, that the outright numbers with the places that you see for a golfer of his caliber, I think it's intriguing. I see the best, you know, a plus eight fifty um, on Victor Perez in the top 20 markets, him and Peters are the ones that stand out from that course fit perspective of, I, I just think there's a lot of underlying good things. And, and it's hard to just throw away, you know, again, two rounds at Augusta six weeks ago, where has Vic been? That is a question mark of, you know, has he stayed stateside teed up? Did he go back? Maybe he's just to, grinded it every Maybe day he's lived at Kiowa. Yeah, I love it. Maybe that's it, man. That That's the Broken thing we'll talk ourselves into. We'll find out Wednesday night. Uh, yep. JP will just lead him around and, and he'll get that win before Rory does. Um, <laughs> yeah, like you say, the, the Pete Dye thing is important. Also, we forget, you know, when I put him up for Saudi, he was he was right there, wasn't he? He was chasing yep. down uh, Dustin Johnson as past Palom Greens. Um, I think we've kind of learned that maybe not to put too much stock in that, but it's a factor, isn't it? Right. You know, he is probably his downside to his game is putting where they're smaller greens and they're past phantom services that he's going to be, he's going to be happy on. So he's going to find the fairways, which he's capable of doing. Uh, he's not short by any means. So the the distance isn't a worry. Um, you're getting the the talents there, right? This guy is going to be potentially going to be the Ryder cup, uh, towards the end of the year. You know, he's right there. He's in the team as it stands could get surpassed and, and may well do, but there's got to be um, motivation this week to, to stay in that point. You know, he's got people breathing down his neck. You know, Shane Lowry's going to be trying to push him for a place. You know, there's everything to gain. He's got to try and wrap up PJ Tour status. I just think that that's either going to push him on to great things or it's going to really kind of get in the way. Yeah. 
Uh, no, and that's, you know, completely agree from, I guess, perspective. I just, you know, trust his all around game more hmm. than I do others who where, you know, he gains in off the tee approach and around the green, you know, on a long-term basis. I, I just think that, you know, helps a lot for, for a golfer of a, a little bit of consistency of what we, we really want to see. And his putter, it, it's not terrible either. So, um, you know, to be positive against all four over the last calendar year, I think is promising. Um, if we go down a little bit deeper, I, I do think now you take a turn with some of these golfers into really asking a lot. Um, is there anybody down here as we go on who, who stands out? Danny Willett is kind of a guy that, you know, he, he said himself, he, he kind of, I guess he just doesn't get motivated for small events. But once you've won a Masters and you've won events that he's won, made money that he's won, maybe you just your attention doesn't turn to the magical Kenya Open anymore. And you, and you don't play as you should. But he played well as a host last week at the British Masters. He's played well in majors since he's won uh, the Masters and, and prior to that as well. So I think that he, if you look at the skill set, Danny Willett's got it right. He's a good driver of the ball. He, he's, he's got a, a tidy short game. Um, he can play well in the wins, play well in open championships. Sam Horsfield's a guy that we've just been talking about who is nearly a thousand to one uh, on Betfair Exchange, which is, you know, win only for us. But it's, it's kind of like these guys are, are forgotten about. And, you know, we, we've heard a couple of, you know, Antoine Rosner played last week, Mr. Cut. Alex Noren played well for three rounds. You know, these guys are there and you, and you kind of get their names, but those just people like Danny with it and, and guys like that don't really get talked about now because it's like, okay, well, he won a Masters when Speed lost one and then he hasn't really done much since. And, and but he has, he's, he's won. And, I, you know, just just while we're talking, I've sort of put together a little team. If you pick, Victor Perez, Charles Schwartz, and Robert McIntyre in your DraftKings team, which is, you know, it's a gamble, taking all three of those, but you can have Dustin Johnson and Victor Hovland, who are guys that we're already sweet on, and still have $9,100 left in the kitty. So you can really take a, a real strong thing. And talking of field size, I mean, it's top seven season ties make the cut. Um, you've got 20 club professionals that are not going to make the cut this week. Uh, well, it might be one out of that 20 that will make the cut. Um, so that takes your field size down dramatically anyway. You've got guys that are out of form, former PGA champions that are just there for, you know, for status really. Um, and then you've got the, the old guy that's going to miss the cut at the top of the market as well. So when you boil it down, that you're looking for the guys that can make birdies in bunches and score on DraftKings as opposed to worrying about whether they can make the cut. Yeah. And I think ultimately that that is how some of these prize pools and you know when you're competing against hundreds of thousands of people you get a a two percent owned you know golfer in this range that ends up outscoring his his finishing position and, and ends up 18th you know and, and those are the type of the golfers if you see a low six of six percent or even even this type of week or if you're better with your contest selection and, and you're competing in the pat mayo experience where you don't have to compete against you know that many people to win a larger prize i think you know those really really pay off in those situations and that's where these golfers would i'd be um you know mistaken if i didn't mention who I think's in the second best form to Garrett Higgo recently in the Canary Islands. And that to me is Dean Burmeister. Yeah. Um, you know, Dean extremely long off the tee. And again, this is where I personally think fairways are much more important this week than maybe the general, like just look yeah. out the layout yeah, of what the course is going to be. So 
you know, these guys aren't the most accurate. I wouldn't say Dean, you know, is somebody who I rely on, on hitting fairways, but he's along, but he has an exceptional putter and he just puts up birdies in bunches. Like you mentioned with Higo, obviously, you know, Dean got a win, um, comes back, plays well the next week. And then he does it again at the British masters, which you get off the Canary Islands, you see him in a different set of conditions, you know, a 13 under winner versus a 26 under winner. Um, you know, he, he mixes it up in that sense. I think Dean represents what you need from a long and a short game. It's just, can you put that driver in the short grass compared to, like I mentioned with Higo, losing a couple in the fescue and you're, you know, you're packing your backs. He has played in two major championships, both US Opens, uh, made the cut a winged foot and missed the cut on the other. So, you know, he's untested, right? And we've spoken about Dean Burmester a couple of times on the show about the fact that he's always had this upside. He's always had the upside of, of what we've seen over the last three weeks. Um, there's always a guy, there's probably two guys, and then if you look at 2012 lead, well, there's five guys that, that in five years' time we won't talk about again, um, but they were in form at the right time or the certain test suited. Uh, and Dean Burmester could certainly fit that. I think that he could just completely take advantage of the footage Judge Jenna Watson on at the PGA uh, a, a couple of years back, you know, these guys can just play well. I mean, he's only got to play well for 54 holes. Um, I know it's his only, but you know, he's capable of doing that. And, and if the pressure gets to him on Saturday, uh, Sunday, it gets to him. You know, if he shoots six over on Sunday, but chucks in three or four birdies, then he's going to he's gonna play off well. Yeah, and right now, South Africans run the world. So That's Charles, it. Dean, reverse exacta probably pays a mortgage. Um, if you throw a couple, couple pounds, as you would say on that time. Um, but I think that's probably the last one where I get, I mean, you can get dangerous down here and, you know, throw in Samoya who's in some, some form, you know, you see Rosner that you mentioned who, who played last weekend, John Catlin, who, you know, almost ripped off two wins in a short amount of time too. There are informed European tour guys. Um, it's just going to be, you need it to be the perfect scenario. And I think some of the ones that we highlight, their games can fit um, that mold of what it is. Um, so let's run down. So your favorite bet of our European tour guys, who is it, Tom? It's Matt Wallace for me. Um, it's very close. I didn't I didn't have Schwartzl in there because he is I was cheating. cheating. I cheated. But he, he is a great bet. You know, Matt Wallace and Charles Schwartz, there is not much between them. They're both similar price. They're both in similar form. Schwartz was hitting the ball slightly better, but Matt Wallace has probably got, I think when it comes down to it, he's got a bit more inner belief than Schwartz at the moment, just because Schwartz was passing with something that, that, like I said, Elon Musk has probably put on the moon last week. So it's it's scary what I think could happen to Charles Schwartz on Sunday if he was in contention. But he played well last week and he was in contention. He was under the gun. I know it's not the same level. He's playing KH Lee as opposed to Dustin Johnson or Victor Hovland, but Pressure's pressure, right? And you can't simulate it. And he showed up last week. 100%. Um, you know, a golfer that I do think relishes the moment, you know, against these top guys is I don't think Bob McIntyre backs down. You, right. you saw it when he went out, out of the pool play against Dustin Johnson, you know, making DJ putt a 10 foot eagle when he only needs the two putt, you know, showing up and just having a moxie about him that separates him. I think, you know, the world puts a lot of expectations on him and I believe he can deliver. And that was a Pete Dye track at Austin country club. You know, another one that you see these small correlations for these guys that don't have a ton of experience 
in these top fields, but you know, McIntyre in the one fifties up to one seventy fives. I think he is my favorite bet of all these guys. And then if we mentioned our top twenties or DraftKings plays, it would be Thomas Peters would probably be my top one with you, Tom, and then Victor Perez um, right there. So you can find both of them. So Peters is 6,800 and then Perez is 6,900. And if we're going to go deep, um, the one that stands out to me is Dean Burmeester. Anything else from your end? No, just to talk about Bob McIntyre, he's played four major championship events and he's made the cut in all four, side six and side 12. Um, good effort in the match play. They won in the, in the WGC Champions 2019. So he, like you say, he's not scared of the big stage. If the weather gets tough, you would expect him to be a guy that that suits. That's a lazy narrative because he's Scottish. Slightly untested in that in those conditions because generally speaking, he plays nice birdie events. But I think he'll be fine. I think he'll enjoy it. I think he'll relish it. He won't moan about the situation. He won't think it's unfair. He will only get frustrated himself, which I think is... It's a negative in some respects, but I think it's also important. I think when you start going, oh, that's a terrible line, it's a terrible win, I can't possibly win, I think that's really detrimental. And I think that's something that, completely different in the scale, I think someone like Bryson could get really thrown off this week because if, yeah. if, the, if the forecast changes on the day, you know, he's so kind of repetitive, that's going to really throw him off. Whereas Bob McIntyre will just play a different shot and it won't bother him. So, Absolutely. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I like that. 100%. Well, we'll be back next week when the European tour rolls into Denmark. Again, we only have three events um, really before we see another major championship. So it's going to be upon us very quickly. Um, So just make sure to subscribe to us again on YouTube. Click below here. You can like, uh, leave a a review for us. That'd be really appreciated. And also you can find us on any of your podcast formats. You can uh, put in daily fantasy sports, picks and bets, the mix, can find us on both of those tom where can they find you on twitter yeah so it's tom jacobs 93 on twitter and the lost of words podcast and um, just wrapped up a near enough two hour show with sky on there so uh yeah forgive us if we're slightly fatigued um but you know we love it we actually this is what mondays are for mondays is for golf and uh look you know thursday's going to come around and we're going to see it's tough because we'd love to to give you all like we'd love to come on here and give you 10 guys that are from the european tour that we'd like to win but we're not going to give you information just for the sake of picking European Tour guys. You know, if we if we think there's a lot of PGA Tour regulars, we're going to go with them and uh, and just give you the ones that stand out. Absolutely, and and there are going to be the ones, the stories that you remember, the the, the Tory Pines that's going to pop up. Probably, you're going to see somebody definitely at the Open Championship of our guys here. It's going to come, and you know, hopefully, continue to be educated on these type of golfers. And let's stay hot. You know, let's have another week where we get some guys in contention and have a big one. So thank you again for the support. We appreciate it. And best of luck, everybody. The good news is that Richard Bland cannot beat you this week. <laughs> he probably can at Tory though. Maybe he goes, you know, for <laughs> yeah. another victory right there before 500 events. But no, uh, thank you guys again. And let's have a week.